You're listening to the It's Not Your Diary podcast, and I'm your host, Ty. Here, we combine faith, tough topics, and journaling to maintain our wellness through life's everyday struggles and to reach generational healing. So get ready for some deep, eye-opening conversations and get ready to take notes. Remember, it's not your diary because what we journal about affects the generations to come. What are you leaving for the generations that come after you? Don't know? Well, let me help you. Just grab a pen, your diary, or a journal, and let's get into the show. What's in your diary? What's in your diary? What's in your diary? What's in your diary? What's in your Welcome back to another episode. How are you doing this week? I'll just let y'all know right now, this week for me has been different. It's been really different, and I hope that one day I'll be able to share everything that's been going on this entire week. But until then, let's get into this episode. First, I would like to say, you know, social media was going great. It was it was going good. And then there was a crash, and I crashed, and I was like, ugh, see, the problem is, The amount of time that I have to spend on social media, like engaging and doing all this stuff, I'm like, you know what, God, it's just not that important to me. So like, if it's in your will, I just, I got to ask for for you to strengthen me in this way because it's not given what it's supposed to be given. And I'm not posting right now because I just feel like I have a lot of other things going on and it's just that. So yes, social media is just not important to me. And I don't understand how, first off, I was looking at how many stories some people be posting and I'm like, how are you posting this many stories? Like you must spend a lot of time just on social media, finding all of these really good posts because how you be finding these things and How are you just like, like you, you're living on social media. I just don't have the time to devote to live through my phone. I don't even like holding my phone for that long, especially not to be scrolling through social media. I don't know. Um, But yeah, that was like a little vent session about that. And I have an update. So as of right now, um, I've just been taking a step back from like, sending out the journal assignments and just the entire brand of the podcast. I'm taking a step back just because I'm allowing God to be God and allowing him to just show me in what areas he needs me to be. So that is where I am with the business side of things. So let's get into this episode now that we got all that out the way. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. That is how the podcast is able to expand and just grow and other people are able to find us. Um, so if you find value in it, definitely make sure you leave us a review. And as we begin this episode, as I've said that like twice now, I think, um, (laughs) episode four, I was reading through Romans 7 and there was just something that stood out to me. And originally I didn't plan on adding this into the episode, but I was like, okay, God, I see you. I see you doing what you're doing. So I'm going to go ahead and just add it in there because um, 
Throughout this entire chapter, Paul is pretty much sharing his struggles with sin with the reader. And he gives like three lessons. And it's the it's in the lessons that I felt like I needed to add this into this episode. Um, so when it came to like him just trying to learn how to deal with his desires, his sinful desires, he just you know, had a few revelations. But um, throughout this chapter, you can go ahead and read it, Romans 7. Paul is trying to get us to understand that no one deserves to be saved because no one in the world is innocent, which it's like, okay, yeah, we know that. Um, But maybe, yeah, not everybody knows that. But then how it all came together was the fact that Paul was really trying to get us to see no matter who you were, like um, the people, there are some, he was saying like, uh, there's pretty much some people in the world who don't know God, who don't know any of his laws, who are just completely oblivious. But then you have the ones who know God, who know what his word says, who follow him and follow like they literally make it a point to follow every single law every day that they live because they don't want to sin. He and his point was that we all have to completely depend on our relationship with God for our salvation, like no matter who you are. No matter if you're the person that doesn't know God, doesn't know anything about his word, or if you're the person that says you follow his law and you you still sin because we're all sinners, but you follow his law to a T, you try not to make any mistakes. And he's basically saying that we don't just earn our deliverance from sin by having good behavior. And a lot of us brought up in different church, like in the church, um, focus more on religion versus relationship, have this idea that um, if I just have this great behavior, um, I'm, I'm going to be the de- deliver. I'm going to um, go to heaven. You know, everything will be perfect because I'm strictly following everything that God says. Even though I have some slip ups here and there, what he's saying is, you don't just earn that just because you have all this great behavior. You're not just earning a spot. And um, one of the lessons that Paul shared was that self-determination doesn't succeed. And then another way to say this is struggling in our own strength doesn't work. So when it came to Paul, he thought because he was... He, he was doing all this great stuff because he, he might've had, or because he was trying to have this great behavior. It didn't really matter because he still needed God to deliver him. We all have to completely depend on God, no matter who you are. The only way to walk with him is to literally walk with him and not to just like, be obedient and do all these things and check off all these boxes, but to literally invite him into the struggles with us and um, allowing his strength to be what guides us because struggling in our own strength just doesn't work regardless if 
our heart might seem like it's in the right place, we have to be intentional about depending on God in our relationship and fully surrendering to him. And in the study, it actually said being born again takes a moment of faith, but becoming like Christ is a lifelong process. So I'm going to repeat that again. Being born again takes a moment of faith, but becoming like Christ is a lifelong process. And when I was thinking about that, it kind of brought like this entire message together for me because I started to think during our process, we have to look at the things that make us like Christ. We have to look at how our heart can look more like his, how our thoughts can look more like his, how our actions can look more like his, because if we never look at how we can be more like him, how is that the goal? We don't know what will make us more like him. So our topic for this episode is going to be on something called cognitive distortions. Now, there's another name also called distorted thinking patterns. And what I thought about when it came to being more like Christ in this lifelong process and this journey and this healing journey and, and like using the strategies that God gives us, sometimes we miss the mark because we haven't taken a look at the things that would make us more like Christ. And sometimes we miss the mark because we just don't know. And I learned about cognitive distortions actually in therapy. And the craziest thing is like the same, the same semester of time, like same little few months, we, I learned about it again in class. So I was just like, okay, I know for a fact, this is something I have to talk about on the podcast next season, because this, when I first learned about these, I was like, my mind was blown because we don't, there are a lot of things again that we do that we don't know that we do that can cause us to miss the mark, that can cause us um, to be less like Christ. Let's be honest. So what is a cognitive distortion? So cognitive distortions or distorted thinking patterns are ways that our mind convinces us of something that isn't really true. So the problem with distorted thinking patterns is that the irrational thoughts can actually influence our emotions. And we know our emotions are are deep rooted. You know, sometimes we can we can have something sleeping in the, the, the areas that we don't even recognize called the subconscious. And sometimes things trigger us and they get woken up and then it's like boom, now we're react reacting on something we don't know why. We don't understand why. We just know that this is how I feel like I need to respond because there might be a cognitive distortion in there somewhere. Um, and the crazy thing is, is that everybody actually experiences these uh, distorted thinking patterns. But when they become extreme, like really, really extreme, they can be harmful to our well-being. And I'll kind of share like um, a couple of mine that I realized I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, I definitely do that. And then we'll walk through the process of some ways that we can become more aware and then stop or use them less, I would say. 
I also recommend always talking to your therapist. If you, if I ever mention something on here and you feel like, oh, wow, I feel like this is something I need to focus on or this is me to a T, you definitely need to talk to your therapist about it. Um, so, yes, I would say one of the most unfortunate parts about the distorted thinking patterns is that they can actually lead to increased stress. But not only increase stress, they can also lead to depression and anxiety. And they also weaken the immune system and poison the bloodstream. So I do want to share a few of them before I go into my points for this episode. I'm going to share a handout that my teacher actually gave me. I was going to share the one I got from therapy, but then I'm like, nah, that might be too much. But there's a list. So the list I have doesn't have that many, but I have another list with like 50 of them. And I want to try to put them together to post them on social media. So that is going to be a goal, but let's get into them. So these are the common distorted thinking patterns. So these thought patterns often keep us stuck in self-defeating or ineffective behavior patterns and make us unhappy. So if we look at the things that people strive to do in life, the things that people want so badly that I always talk about, we as people want to be happy, but we're, we're always constantly um, trying to get to that point that we just never get to. And this could be one of those reasons why. So the first one is actually perfectionism. It's um, also referred to as either or or like all or nothing thinking. So this one is failing to see gray areas or compromises. So it's the thought that I must be perfect at all things all the time or else I'm a failure. And then it's also thinking like nothing is working out for me, even though you have a lot of things in your life that probably are working out for you. Um, it's having a very narrow-minded perspective. Um, it's either all bad or it's all good, but it can't be like, okay, no, these things are good, these things are bad. The next one is the should statements. So now this is one that I know for a fact that I use. So arbitrarily setting standards that unnecessarily criticize yourself, others, or the world. It's that thought of saying, I should have seen that coming. I should have done that differently. I shouldn't feel this way. He should treat me with more respect. I should get paid more. It's It, it sets up a very false narrative because from, oh, I'll go back to that. I'll come back to it. Okay. The next one is over-personalization. This is one that I also struggle with. This one is taking too much responsibility for your or other situations, failing to consider role of environment, including other people in a tough situation. And this is the idea that you're trying to fix other people's problems or you're also believing other people's circumstances are the truth rather than an opinion. The next one is selective attention or a mental filter. This one is where someone or you are minimizing positives and focusing instead on perceived negatives. And that's, um, you might've met somebody like this in like grammar school where the A on that paper means nothing or 
that instructor was an easy grader or even saying things like, I handled that situation horribly or saying something like, it was a complete disaster when there could have been some positives in that situation. Or maybe you just did a great job on the paper. It's it's filtering out and minimizing the positives and focusing only on the negatives. The next one is denial or blaming. This is also another one I know I've struggled with. This one means failing to accurately recognize your role or capabilities in a situation. So trying to do too many things at once and always being late or missing deadlines, telling yourself that you're hopeless or helpless in response to what happens in your life, and also blaming others for your lack of effort. So for this one, I'll actually come back to that one as well. Um, I'm going to see, look, I'm ready to jump right in. The next one I have is false permanence. This means thinking things are more permanent than they really are. So for example, not forgiving yourself for mistakes. And it's saying like, I'll never live this down. Or it's also failing to remember that negative situations will let up or get better. This one, I definitely feel like a lot, I've seen a lot of younger people falling into this, like thinking life is just never going to get better. Like this is the life that I was given and it'll never be better. And um, yeah, that, that is one that I've seen a lot, even when I was working. The next one is overgeneralization or labeling. So this means a single event falsely becomes generalized to a large pattern. So This is saying, my boyfriend broke up with me. I guess I'm not marriage material. Labeling yourself as an idiot, a failure, a loser, a downer, ugly, lazy, depressive, things like that. Um, The next one is catastrophizing or it's the can't stand it. So this one means making things out to be worse than they really are, often to avoid them. Failing to also consider positive outcomes as possibilities. Also meaning telling self that negative past, present, or future event is worse than it really is. The next one is the magical thinking. So telling self everything would be better if I was wealthier, taller, thinner, better looking, etc. The next one is emotional reasoning. This means acting as though emotions are reality. That's that's when you have the thought of like, I don't feel motivated, so I don't get out of bed. He didn't like my performance, so it must be have been lousy. Um, The next one is mind reading or jumping to conclusions. And that means assuming what other people are thinking without really knowing. So it's the, for example, he doesn't really care or he didn't want to date me because he thought I was dorky. The next one is the double standard. So holding yourself to a different standard than you would apply to a good friend. For example, being especially hard on yourself and not cutting yourself the same break you afford others. The next one is self-centeredness. 
So over focusing on yourself, ignoring how events relate to others, the world or the spiritual universe. So, for example, I was so nervous meeting him. All I could think of was saying the wrong thing. I can't go to the party. I'll look fat in that dress, so on and so on. And then we also have the fallacy of fairness. So falsely believing things should always work out fairly. That was a lot. So those are just a few of the distorted thinking patterns. Of course, there are more. Um, I'm going to try to post all of these on social media since I'm not sending out emails right now. Um, so be on the lookout for those. Even if I just take a picture of this and post it, you'll have it. So yes, I want to go back to the ones that I know for sure that I was doing and were really affecting me. Um, but maybe I'll actually come back to those because I also have some points. So while these are still fresh in your mind, do you think any of them apply to you? Because some may and some may not. And you could, of course, always just look them up on Google if you um, need them right away. So that's point number one. Which distorted thinking patterns do you think apply to you based off just what I read? Point number two, be aware of how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. This is why it's very important to be aware of the distorted thinking pattern that we might have. And all of them, because you know, we might have a little bit of all of them. We, of course, probably have done all of them at some point in some way, shape, or form. But we have to, again, be aware of how we think, since how we think is shaping our life. And we want our life to look more like Christ. We're trying to be more, we're trying to be Christ-like and not Christless. So, of course, that awareness then allows us to have, to know what we need to work on, to know what we need to be aware, to be aware of. And then point number three, our thoughts can either make us ill or they can help us heal. And that's just what it is. And that's the fact. Either what we're thinking about is making us ill, literally making us sick, or it's going to help us heal, which is making us better, which is making us more what? Christ-like. Okay, y'all following with me, y'all. Okay, don't go nowhere now. Because if you haven't learned anything from this podcast, is that Jesus wants us to be healed. And we know that he's given us the wisdom through his word. And the strategy through different platforms like this one and other platforms to to do just that. He's, he's given us the strategy to become more like him, for our lives to look more like what he wants our lives to look like, for our hearts to be positioned how he wants our hearts to be positioned. And I feel like um, learning about these distortions For me, it was the definition of when people say like um, prayer without works is dead. This was like that in a nutshell because 
this is the work. It's the work to become aware. And, and it's even a simple prayer like, God, reveal to me my distorted thinking patterns. Like, reveal whatever it is that I need to see. No matter, It might not even be the thinking patterns, but it might be something else going on with you that you know, oh, I might need to heal from that. Lord, reveal to me. Give me strategy. Give me the wisdom. Point me to the word because I want to be more like you. And I know this thing that's in me is making me miss the mark. So help me to become more like you. And honestly, just be honest with God. In this whole process, be honest with him. He knows your heart. Just be honest though. Speak it out to him. And so I do want to revisit my personal distorted thinking patterns for y'all because I want to just make the connection. So I I pointed out how I would uh, use the should statements. And when I tell you, I'm going to repeat it one more time. So setting standards that unnecessarily criticize yourself, others, or the world. Why am I unnecessarily criticizing myself? And I don't even know it. When I tell you this brought on so much disappointment in my life because it was very unrealistic. Like it was, it was. Instead of me coming to the table and saying, I deserve to be treated with respect, it was an idea like the example they gave of he should treat me with more respect. Well, he he doesn't have to treat you with more respect, but you have to know what you deserve from the people in your life or the coworkers or the friends or whoever it is. You have to know what you deserve and you have to set boundaries for what you deserve and what you're going to tolerate in your life. There is no, they should have done this or I should have done that. Why should you have done it? I should get paid more. I should have done that differently. Why is it that you're beating yourself up? It's a standard that you're setting and it's unnecessary and it's criticizing you or the people in your life, and it's just unnecessary. If you know what you deserve, you set boundaries. You you only tolerate respect because you can only control yourself. When when the shoulds come in, it, it's a fight between like a false sense of control in the world. It was for me. I'm sorry. This is all of my opinion. This I'm talking about me right now. Okay, so if you can relate, you can relate. But right now I'm talking about me. The next one was over-personalization. And it's this idea of being like Mrs. Fix-It. It's taking on too much responsibility for your situation or the situation of others. And this one, I promise you, like, was causing me so much stress because it's, it was me not realizing that I didn't have the capacity that I thought I had. And honestly, I still kind of do this in a sense that I just want to make sure everybody's okay. But I've been trying very hard, very, very hard to not take on responsibility. Like, okay, Tyra, if someone needs you, allow them to ask you for your help. And if they don't ask you for your help, you can't jump into that situation. And you yourself, you need to ask for help. Like this is what I'm working on in therapy. Um, 
And if no one asks you for your advice, there's no need to necessarily give it unless you really, truly love that person in your life. But it, it was this idea that at some point, everyone in your life has to learn how to take responsibility for their own life. So just like you need to ask for help, they need to ask for help. Just like you need to express your needs, they have to express their needs. But a lot of, and this was one thing that I struggled with, it wasn't my responsibility. And and honestly, once I went through all of these, this is, I'm, I'm going to put it all together. Like this, when I realized all these things, it was like putting together a puzzle. Okay, the next one for me is denial or blaming. So failing to accurately recognize your own role or capabilities in a situation. So trying to do too many things at once, always being late, uh, missing deadlines. I'm still pretty, pretty late a lot of the time, which is it's a problem. Um, and then blaming others for my lack of effort. This, this, when I tell you, I did this a lot when I was younger in friendships. And again, it, it was very, it's unrealistic. You can't blame someone else for something when you never expressed how you felt. So now getting to a place where I can accurately recognize my role, my capacity, um, the, the role I might have played in a situation, you know, just validating other people's experiences as well as my own and not pointing fingers, not pointing fingers, but just trying to take more accountability and trying to understand how I got to where I am has really just been helping me. And so, like I said, these things were causing me so much unnecessary stress that like, I don't know what was going through my therapist's mind, but honestly, uh, uh, like a couple weeks ago, she asked me, so how did I feel? And I was like, you know, I just really am starting to see every single thing connect. I'm starting to like literally put a puzzle together. And because this is how I think, this is how, you know, this is my attachment style, like putting all these things together, I'm starting to see. See, this is how Tyra became this version of herself. And these are all the things that you're struggling with. And these are all the areas that could use some improvement. But then look at this. Look at how your over-personal personalization, which is taking too much responsibility, can show up as a strength. So now we go back to strengths and weaknesses. Because one of my strengths is taking responsibility. I feel a strong need to take responsibility. So there are some ways in which we can use these things as a strength. Some of these things are strengths for us, but also we don't want to get to a point where how we think is causing us to become sick or is tearing relationships apart or is forcing us into this like mind reading or self-centeredness, or even to where we we are having like this emotional reasoning where, where we aren't getting out of bed, where where we are internalizing everything that's going on in our minds and it's causing us to become sick. 
at some point, we want to get to a place where we can see the strengths in our weaknesses and we can identify them. Okay, ooh, I, I noticed how this is showing up as a weakness. I got to figure out what I need to do differently. And so just me putting together the, these pieces um, have allowed me to see a full picture, like literally have, it, it's just been so eye-opening and it's a very special feeling because it's like, okay, this is how I got to where I am. It all makes sense now. Now this is where I'm trying to go. And these are the things that are going to stop me from getting there because let's be honest, if I continue to be in denial and shift and blame and things like that, how is that going to affect me becoming more like Christ? How is that going to affect my relationships? How is that going to affect the way I love myself, the way I love my son? How is that going to show up in every area of my life? Remember, we talked about there are things going on within us that we don't even realize. We don't even realize the, the, the way that we're functioning. We don't realize the distorted thinking patterns. We don't realize the things that we can't see. Sometimes it's the denial that we can't see that's holding us back. I can now look at certain relationships and certain things. And I'm like, okay, I see now how, how I had like a false sense of what was going on here. And I'm, I'm, taking full accountability for my part in this situation. I could have done that better. I could have done that better. But it's like you have to be able to self-reflect and look back. The self-awareness, the self-reflection, we have to have those things in order to become like Christ because we have to be able to see. Because if we can't see, if we are walking around just completely blind, blind to the, the areas in which we are weak, the areas in which we are strong, the areas where we can use a little growth, um, the fact that maybe I could benefit from therapy, maybe I could benefit from having that conversation, maybe we can both grow. Like God is going to continue to put you in the same type of situation so that you can grow, so that you can become more like him, so that you don't continue to miss the same mark. Maybe it's a different mark now, but he's given us the wisdom and the strategy. We just have to bring it all together and make it make sense literally in our lives so that we can start to look more like him so that people do want to be around, be surrounded by us to where they are asking is something about that person where they want to get to know the God that you know because of how you show up now because they saw the change in you because they saw the growth. And that might mean letting some people go. That might mean having tough conversations. That might mean figuring out what distorted thinking patterns you have, but we have to use the wisdom and the strategy that God has given us so we can get to where he's trying to take us. So I just want to recap the points for a second. Think about which distorted thinking patterns apply to you. Be aware of how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. And the last one, thoughts can either make you sick or they can help you heal. In our journal of prompt, our journal of prompt, come on now. 
See, it's been a long week, okay? For, I didn't even address the fact that the episode coming out on Friday, oh Lord. Um, the journal prompts for this week is coming to you in two parts, okay? The first part, pick one distorted thinking pattern that you know you identify with. That's the first part. And for one week, list out how that thinking pattern showed up in your life. I'm going to repeat it one more time. Pick one distorted thinking pattern or one cognitive distortion. They are the same thing (laughs) that you know you identify with. And for one week, list out how that thinking pattern showed up in your life. Okay. And now for our melody of the week. Now, this is a hidden gem that I found. And I got to listen to it on repeat once I get in the car because that's whenever I find. The or either I'm giving you a melody of the week that I've been listening to all week on replay, or I'm giving you one that I have not been listening to that I'm about to be playing on repeat all week. I don't know why. That's just how my brain works. It's like then I'm meditating on on the episode, on the song, and this song for how I'm feeling this week. I feel like it just brought it home. This was a home run on the episode. And this is an artist that I found who is from the UK. So shout out to all our listeners in the UK. You already know this artist, I'm sure. And I'm pretty sure you pronounce his name, Govna. It's G-U-V-N-A-B. So it's Govna B. Um, was like Govna. I don't know how to do the accent, so I'm not going to try. Um, so Governor B fall on me. So there's a certain part that I really like when he started to say it's an uphill struggle and I was never worthy. I don't know why God trusted me with this life. It's like my perfection. It's like my imperfections. They've been disguised devil on my shoulder. And he's hoping that my gift dies. We've been praying for angels over on this side. I feel for this generation and I pray for wisdom. God, we've been battling failures and addictions. And then I want to skip down to the chorus because then the chorus goes, blessings fall on me and they just keep repeating blessings fall on me. So definitely go listen to that one. Um, I'm about to be listening to it and have a great weekend. If all goes well, I'm going to be back on Monday with another episode. Don't forget to leave us a review and share this episode with at least one person. um, If you enjoyed it, if you think they could benefit from it, or if you just like the podcast and want to share it. Thank you so much. And I will talk to y'all next week. Bye. Uh